0: Hey, hey, PodNutteens, welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, a podcast all about Linux and about people who use Linux, not just the elitist, not just the hardware engineers, not just the network specialists, but everybody who finds Linux interesting and fun. This is episode 249. And I forgot to change the name in the stream, but that's okay. Linux for the Rest of Us, 249. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Tony Jones. Thank you very much for your support, Tony. Throughout the years, you help keep this network completely ad free. And there was a study, uh, that it was just released. That I'm going to try to make sure I put in the notes that ads literally cause depression. Ads literally cause depression. So if you listen to anything, whether it be a YouTube channel or a podcast, and you suddenly don't feel as good, blame the creator for letting ads be inserted into their content. And talking about insertion, we're joined this week by Bruce Patterson. How's everything going, Bruce? So far,
1: so good. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I'm really surprised the folks that don't have ad blocker on. If not, why? But I digress.
0: Uh, I used to try to not have an ad blocker on, but this is 2020. I don't have a choice. Uh, we're also joined this week by um, Admiral Jonathan Nadeau. How's everything going, sir?
2: Salutations, everybody.
0: Salutations in frigging Deden And he's saying that because we got to at least hang with uh, some old men of Linux podcasting, as they, as they call themselves.
2: Oh, yeah. That was a good time. But speaking of ad blocker, you know what's annoying? you go to some sites and they're like, I see you have ad blocker on. Could you please turn it off so you you can see our wonderful ads and we can keep our website running?
0: Yes. And that's why I can't wait for the Android based browser called smart cookie to release a desktop version of their application, because I've never once seen that on my Android phone, nor do I ever see any ads on my android device um but it's obviously something that's at least i don't want to say in beta but it's a newer browser with it's going to need work to it but i love the fact that i don't see nothing on it except for the content
2: i mean yes i mean some depending on how the ads are served on websites i mean sometimes they're so atrocious like it lo- practically locks up the screen reader i'm like all right I'd like hard shut down the computer and be like not going back there again
0: Yeah, and I do wish there was the ability in your search engine of choice to be able to highlight an entire domain and say blacklist, don't show me nothing from that domain ever again. Because it's painfully obvious some content creators produce their content in such a way that the headline does not represent the content until you get three to four paragraphs in, aka until you're at least three to four ads in.
2: Mm -hmm. I use the duck. I ask the duck.
0: The duck is good, I'm not gonna lie. Um that and for me, quant. I I love quant. I when, when quant doesn't suffice, I then go to duck duck go. Maybe three times a week I have to then relent and go back to the goog.
2: <laughs> I, I honestly I started using Duck, duck go, like <sighs> The year I interned at the FSF, cause like Google, I don't mean, know, they switched something at that point, and the it was just so like it slowed down everything on like, my screen reader, and it was like impossible to find like the actual actual search. And DuckDuckGo was out for a little while, and I was like, let yeah, me try that, and I went to it, and it reminded me like of the old days of Google's, like just the bo- text box. You know, type in you want to search, hit search, boom, results come up. And I haven't I haven't looked back since I've I've strictly used DuckDuckGo right now.
1: So Axel, let me ask you, um, now when you're using DuckDuckGo, are you using it in a in a context of technical lookups? You know, like Everything. you know, Windows oh, okay. And the results are oh, yeah,
2: I'm, they're just as good. I I again I haven't used Google in a long time, but i'm pretty sure i'm finding the results i would even if i were using google
1: nope fair enough uh, i haven't had that experience usually when i'm looking for something uh um let's see duck, duck Go will bring maybe the first two are usually good but anything after that it, it only and again this is when i'm looking up for you know error codes in state, mm-hmm. maybe yeah maybe like then that. it's not
2: i don't do stuff like that so maybe then it's not good but for everything i'm doing (laughs) and i also type in like weird words like i don't type in like full sentence like the other day my wife saw me search something she's like what what?" like it seemed like five random words but it was exactly you know what i was what i wanted in a sentence and it came right up you know so it could also be my weird way of
1: searching (laughs) yeah well i'm waiting go ahead
0: no i was just gonna say i do think um the ability to type in what your search engine of choice expects is not an easy thing. Um, literally a decade ago, I believe my job title should have been senior internet research specialist Two, only because I believe I can type what I need into nearly any search engine and my results will always be in the top three to four result sets.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like what I'm seeing on DuckDuckGo. If you know, when I, I just know kind of what words I want to pop up in my search. And, boom, I, like you said, within the top three, four, I'm pretty much find what I'm looking for.
1: Now, one of the things I'd like to see, I'm going to create a new position in the workplace. And it's called Internet Researcher. You know, <laughs> people will come to you and ask you the most mundane, idiotic questions about the
0: Internet, but you'll have the answer. That's true. Well, I'll say this. There's three things I'll try to have in the notes. No promises. There's three things. I believe that, uh, a research specialist in these days needs to understand one lateral searching. Uh, you never believe anything that's presented to you. Instead you take what's presented to you, you back up a layer and then you do a search and then you find what trusted sources say. Number one, number two, um, I've sent this website to at least two to 300 people in typical fashion. Like 2% of them have responded. Uh, it is called uh, media biased fact check. All one word, media bias fact check. Uh, it never comes back saying impartial because nobody is impartial. Okay. But everybody I sent this to who replied agreed when they put in the websites that they were looking at, they believe it was coming back accurately. Third, the ability to cut out words like the, of, if, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Word. Yeah, and, and and just hone in on those keywords. But then, most importantly, if your search engine expects you to say how do you before your quotation, you have to know and understand that. So it really do I believe is in a talent that not enough executives and not enough professionals. Uh, Expect someone to be able to navigate the web because it's there's a lot of garbage out there. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that's actually becoming more and more the rule these days because uh, interesting note. And I forgot to mention this. One of the problems that I've actually started to see in regards to Google is that when you're doing a search, Obviously, the ads, the paid ads, are what returns first. The other day, I was actually shocked because the first full page had nothing but ad links. Oh, wow. And that was that was That's shocking. a new low. That's a new low oh absolutely and you know so i figured all right well i'm like you said it's where you change up the keywords and then run it again and then you you get a little bit better shot and you eliminate some of them but holy cow everything is an ad now
0: well i'll just say it like this that's their goal their goal is everything is an ad but their actual goal is that you don't realize that everything is an ad um Anybody who doesn't understand that ads are the demise to independent free thought, um, I'm sorry, but that's the actual truth. Um, ads have done nothing except support companies whose goals are not what I consider to be everyone else's uh, goals.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, now, and, no, no go ahead. So, I just wanted to make a
1: one one quick point uh, on our Facebook page. One of the most uh one of the posts that actually got the most uh views actually was when we were talking about uh um revenue for LibreOffice because apparently we hit a nerve there and um I was actually kind of surprised. Uh on one hand you had we, we put up a poll too, and it's not scientific by any stretch of the imagination, but it was half and half. Half said they would pay for it and the other half said.
0: <laughs> well, and I'll say I'm okay with half the people who are not willing to pay for it. Fine. Fine. I cannot determine what their stance in life is. I cannot determine what their priorities are. I cannot determine what their ethics are. I cannot determine what their stance in life is. If they say they can't afford it because of any reason, insert here, I can't tell them they're wrong. I won't tell them they're wrong. I will not. Preach to anybody. This is 2020. I am absolutely done with preaching. I'll just say it like this. I am willing to do it. And if you're not, that's okay. If
2: you don't want to pay for it, you have to compile it. If you pay for it, you can get a dot dev or RPM or whatever you need.
0: <laughs> well, that was the old methodology with Reaper. But I don't know if you know this, Jonathan. Reaper changed. Now you can download basically a dev file. You don't have to compile it anymore. Mm, okay. So I'm okay with any developer creating software making their own rule set because I'm. I can't tell a developer what is the right way to do things. I can only give them my individual feedback. The Reaper guy, I've given him money before, but I can't use the damn product. It's too complicated for a simple-minded fellow like myself.
2: Is there still the uh, lead, uh, document foundation? Weren't they, you know, lead by Office kind of getting their funding or? development through the Document Foundation?
1: So yes is the short answer. The longer convoluted answer is that they're a charity. Ah, uh, right. And, and so basically... They gotta pay the bills they, first. Yeah, And they've amassed a certain amount of money, but it doesn't get necessarily fed back into the development of LibreOffice however they have two full-time paid employees who are dedicated to working on okay. it. um and uh you know they it's um it's pennies i mean i shouldn't say that they get paid four thousand dollars roughly a month okay for that. okay so you know um but again uh if they were to become a paid product i wouldn't have a problem with it i really wouldn't because the thing is is that you know i don't expect office i don't want office ding you know and i think i think people are are making a mistake when they think oh well it's not exactly like office that's right run with it embrace it because the thing is is that when the day is done that document that you just wrote on that's yours you get to keep it microsoft hmm, not so much you know and where everything is moving to DOS cloud uh you know again it's it's who decides what they want to keep and what they want to borrow
0: yeah um i I gotta say To me, the Document Foundation is, I know, I know, and I'm not trying to really minimize what they do, but they're a hub. Okay. Other external entities supply the code. The Document Foundation organizes the code, approves the code. I hate to say this, kind of like the Linux Foundation. And there's two (laughs) And there's two or three external entities supplying code to the Document Foundation that said, dude, do you guys realize you're bleeding like three times the amount of money that you're bringing in? This cannot go on forever, Um, which is a perfectly fairly sane business thing to say. Um, I'm still utterly backing the Document Foundation because I believe they have the individual user's liberty in mind. And I said that slow for a reason. Individual liberty, I perceive as being one of the most important things in computing, not only in accordance to my personal freedom outside my house in the real world. Um. So if anybody believes personal liberty is a priority. I have go out of my way to uh, back. And the one thing I got to say is we said the word Mozilla a little bit ago, and I got to say Mozilla launched their private VPN service. Now, there's no way it's as private, as secure, as anonymous, as credible as a service like private internet access. But I have never subscribed to private internet access because I really don't need a VPN. I don't search for anything that's. I don't care if my ISP sees. I really don't. Um, there's nothing I do on the internet that I perceive is I need to be unbelievably private and secure, but I do want to give Mozilla money. I give them right now over 25 bucks a year uh, in my annual renewable. I give them money kind of things because we need somebody to directly compete with Google um, because there's no other browser in the market. And if anyone thinks there is, I inform you, educate yourself. Chromium browser is Microsoft Edge. Microsoft has forsaken Internet Explorer. Chromium is Vivaldi. Chromium is, um uh marry the brave. Chromium is Chromium. Chromium is Chrome. Okay. Opera is doesn't count because nobody uses it believe me nobody uses it so i support mozilla with their vpn service on my android device and shockingly almost half the things i do on my phone are literally faster even though i'm vpning through sweden for like literally now three weeks i use opera (laughs) i know but Ask your friends, ask your family, ask your teammates, ask your cohorts how many of them use opera. And I'm gonna guarantee you right now, less than one out of twenty-five people say yes. And I guarantee you a third of them say what's opera. Oh, no, you're correct. Hey, you mean Oprah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that gives you the book of the month.
0: I support Oprah. Oprah Lives Matter. <laughs> okay, now on the stream, I will let people know. Um I was gifted from a really generous, uh, guy from Houston, Texas, uh, a pine phone. And I'm bringing this up on Linux for the rest of us because this doesn't, it can run Android, but realistically it is supposed to run Linux operating systems on a phone. Now, quick tangent, if any mental invalid on Anything you listen to or read or watch says that this phone is incapable of running anything that they would like to run because it's too slow, it's too low spec. Ask them, is a Chromebook too low spec? And then wait for their answer. Because if they say no, then they, and they say this is too low spec, then they do not understand software can be optimized for hardware. Period. What? Hard to stop. <laughs> Cook, be, and I'll say, because I've had Chromebooks with incredibly low specs, but have been had that attention to detail to be incredibly optimized to where they actually run pretty good. Same damn thing with the Pine phone, okay? Now, it is a tinkerer's device. The likelihood of this type of device being readily accessible to the normal people is easily four years away. But to someone who is Linux intelligent, someone who actually understands the folders off the root, somebody who actually understands how to modify scripts, somebody who actually understands file systems, this is a perfectly acceptable and usable device for what it is. AKA manage expectations, kind of like Indigo Montoya. Hello. My name is Indigo Matoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> managing expectations.
2: So you're, so you're saying this phone is for Chess Griffin?
0: If I could ever communicate with Chess Griffin, yes, I've tried.
2: The, the uh, speaking of sort of you know, optimizing uh, software for hardware isn't the uh, Chromebook. The operating system isn't, I believe, isn't it Gentoo based or whatever? So, I mean, Gentoo is the the one that you know, every you know, you have to you know compile everything, but everyone would compile the software specifically for their processor, which is crazy.
0: I do believe for the first two or three years, everything was Debian based out of I don't want to say simplicity, out of convenience, but I do believe for the, for the last two years, everything has been source based, which is essentially Gen two based.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, again, that's what they can do with the Pine phone, you know. What what is it? I'm assuming it's obviously an ARM, right?
0: Well, it's in the most ARM open arena that you can get, a.k.a. Raspberry Pi. While I love my Raspberry Pi, it's not open, okay? The Rock chip, and there's a couple other versions that are completely open, out in the open. Um, The Pine Book Pro, which I have, and I will say is shockingly usable for $200. The Pine phone, which I have used a little bit in the last couple of days, is really usable. And as soon as the Pine tab becomes available, I already have the money available. Thank you to the listeners ready to buy that when it becomes available. Um, Linus Torvald, about 18 months ago, might have been shortly less, literally gave everyone that special finger up into everyone, stating you mental invalids don't understand the reason X86 is superior in the server market in that arena is because that's the same processor type that we program on. So with the Pinebook pro becoming popular with certain Samsung Chromebooks becoming popular with the pine phone becoming readily available with a pine time being a portable watch being available and with the pine tab becoming available, It's more likely that people will be able to process, to develop, to code, to develop on ARM-based infrastructure, which should make pushing that code to ARM-based servers a little bit easier, to which, to me, is the inevitable future in computing.
2: I run Manjaro on the Pine phone.
0: I run Manjaro on my uh, Pinebook. It's silly, silly, snappy fast. Uh, On my Pinebook Pro, I'm literally running... Uh, a sesame which is a debian divert uh derivative only because it supports my um usbc hub to my hdmi port so i can su- uh, support a second monitor i run that when i need to do this kind of streaming production work but when i just use the Pinebook pro at a convenience it's always manjaro because it just works exactly
1: now what's the pine tab going to run folks do you happen to have that
0: Well, it's funny you ask. By out of the box, the Pine tab is going to run UB ports, which is the Ubuntu Touch derivative. But the one thing I've learned is if you run PB Bootstrap, no, PM Bootstrap is what it's called. It's basically a command line version of what me and Jonathan used to talk about now. Oh, my God, like eight years ago, where it was called Kitchen Sink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you could run a command and the command would ask you anywhere from like four to 20 questions. And what it was, what it was basically compiling on the fly an image to flash on an operating system. So if I run PM bootstrap, I can then say which distribution I want to run, which interface I want to run. Is there any packages I want to include? Is there any, um, uh, special instructions I want to give. What is the pin number or username? And then uh, what is the standard I want to flash in? And then I do that. I run a couple of commands. It exports a file. Then I run PM bootstrap and it literally can push it either straight to the EMMC on the hardware itself, or it can push it to an SD card. It's 80% towards being extremely user-friendly. It's not quite there yet, but it's definitely approaching such a thing.
1: Well, I guess I'll be keeping an eye out for that because, I mean, like I said, we we're talking about it earlier. My current tablet right now is easily five years old, so um, the OS is getting a little bit long in the tooth, and like anything else, uh, it's a little
0: slow. Well, that's what she said last night. Um, I do believe, and, and here's the most generous way I can put it, I do believe that Pine 64 is one of the few companies out there that are putting out products that they believe will withstand a generation or two of products where you have a lot of companies, whether it be Dell, Samsung, or anybody else. Their main goal is to just put something out there that's hot and flashy, like girls gone wild type of method. We're here. Look at us. But then it very quickly just dies off and then you need to buy something new again in a year or two where literally pine 64 put out a pine book three years ago. They're offering an upgrade path to where you can upgrade it to a pine book pro. Okay. So I've had the pine book. I've had the pine book pro I've had. Uh, I hadn't have the pine phone. And I'm going to very soon have the pine tab. I am incredibly, I don't want to say cheap, calculated with any of my purchases i am completely confident with every dollar i spend with the pine 64 company i'm getting like a dollar 50 back in value
1: actually if we could take a step back for a moment one thing i um you actually reminded me of when we're talking about upgrade path and things like that uh just very quickly in regards to e-waste which is not what we're talking about um i came across uh an interesting thing i didn't realize that the best buy chain actually is a good place to bring your recycled e-waste and that's everything um you'll have to pay for the televisions but when i got there uh it was interesting because there were people that dropped a pile of laptops there it's like did you empty any of those hard drives not. <laughs> the guy was like why bother it's like oh no i'll take those machines now <laughs> Oh, no, wait, I just need the hard drives.
0: Yeah, I'll say that. And the dirty secret is every copy machine that's been released for like a decade has a hard drive in it that every time you put a piece of paper in and hit copy, it actually stores a copy of that on the hard drive. Nice. Um, supposedly, there's been over $3 billion every year in fraud. So says Congress. Uh, because of those copy machines being shipped to third world countries to where smart people see them come off the boat and dig into pull the hard drives out and get first name, last name, address, social security numbers, and all kinds of information off of them because they're there. And why wouldn't they take advantage of it? I know if I were in those countries, I would too.
1: You know, it's funny because, um, at work we have, uh, Rico's and, um, the salesman, I give them credit. Uh, every, uh, every second year or something, they have a list of all of the printers that are that the school and they change out the hard drives religiously and they (laughs) properly dispose of them, which is shocking to me.
0: Well, that's worth like a bonus, like give them like a steak dinner or something, because that doesn't happen too often.
1: Well, here's an anecdotal story for you uh one of our uh co came in and you know like anything else if you're associated with it you're automatically helping somebody so we had this uh uh one woman asking uh my coworker if uh, we could change out a hard drive for her because uh the fine folks over at geek squad were going to charge her 300 bucks for it man yeah money well spent so anyway uh bottom line is that um you know she said that she had already spent 300 dollars for the first time but her hard drive is still not working and so anyway bottom line was um my friend got the laptop opened it up and oh there were two hard drives and what they did was they switched the bad one for the good one but then they got confused and put the bad one back in the first oh my goodness oh yeah it was a it was fun time for all
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm so, how did you find out that they'd take the e Way stuff? how did you figure that out?
1: Um I had a TV to get rid of and um the city I called the city to take it away and they said, Well, you can just bring it over to Best Buy. So this is true of the Best Buy chain in the US. Go to any of them and you know they'll they'll take most electronic items. Uh the only thing they don't take, oddly enough, are printers. Oh jeez. They will take well, print I mean- cartridges.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, there's a fair amount of times when the print cartridge technically cost more than the printer itself.
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: And the solution for the printer?
1: Throw it away.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I've learned throughout my years, I really try not to blame the individual Best Buy technician on call. To beat them, to brow them into submission is... um. I don't want to say rude, not right. It's the corporation that's the problem, not the individual. Um, I've met more than a couple technicians who used to work at Best Buy, who then grew to understand what was going on. And then, you know, two to three years later, they built up a really successful business understanding where those companies had their extreme shortcomings. And then they basically fill that void, which is why, I'm okay with those companies existing because it allows individuals to fill the void that they so like appropriately just leave desolate because their goal is not customer support. Their goal is maximizing profit.
1: No, you're, you're completely right. Um, so anyway, just recapping the fact of the matter is, is that if you have any, any kind of electronic waste that you're trying to get rid of, Best Buy will take most of it for free. So, Uh, that includes appliances, uh, on the provision that you're buying another one. Yeah, yeah. That's the the catch.
2: Swinging back around to Firefox, what's this uh, Ubuntu web and Firefox thing that's going on?
0: Yeah, uh, as far as I can tell, it is Mozilla's, I don't want to say half-hearted attempt, because I don't know how much passion they're putting into it but it's their attempt to try to replace aftermarket chrome os and the best way i can put it is we've had chrome os chrome devices now for a long time i can say this because hi my name is door door geek and i had the original cr48 oh yeah i remember that oh yeah 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 so i've been here a long time um it's their attempt to offer a free Libra open source replacement to when your Chrome OS device expires, we want to supply you with something you can install on it. That is more free, more open, more available to your device. Um, I'm okay with that, but I will tell you right now, that is an incredibly difficult niche to fulfill because there's so many different architectures involved with Chrome.
1: Now, one item I wanted to bring up, Um, it's not part of our notes, but, um, I don't know if you guys heard about the windows 10 issue in Gmail where, uh, Gmail just happens to have their emails deleted. Uh, and apparently this is, this happens on windows 10 when you make the default browser, Google Chrome for some bizarre reason. Oh yeah. It was actually posted on, uh, I think uh, Znet today.
2: So if you visit if you go to like gmail.com and you're reading your email, it'll just start deleting stuff.
1: It automatically deletes your email. Listen, folks.
2: This is why the internet is not an application.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, man, I mean, look, one of the most uh, one of the most immoral, unethical Lennox-based podcast that I still subscribe to. (laughs) I know. Calm down, Jonathan. And if you want to know what I subscribe to, quite literally, the revolving door, that's everything I subscribe to, is Floss Weekly. And with that stated, they still had enough gusto. They still had enough manchismo. They still had enough whatever to sit down and interview, I want to say three weeks ago, John Mad Dog Hall. Nice. Oh, God, it made me so happy. Um, he is my favorite
2: person in the Let's community.
0: He could ask me to do anything, whether it be punching old woman, whether it be like assassinate a world leader. Or anything to him physically, and I'm pretty sure I'll be right there because he's John Mad Dog Hall. Yeah, but um, you
2: know what? The, the John Mad Dog Hall wouldn't ask you to do either of those things, though.
0: Well, and that's the thing. He's unbelievably ethical. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To have a company like decide this sort of censorship is okay makes anyone to puke in my mouth because it's not up to you company x to decide it's okay for you to delete anything right. in my personal experience um that's the kind of thing that should that should in america m e c r i a america should deem a um antitrust lawsuit because you do not determine what i should be able to see yet i'm pretty sure you're not going to see An antitrust lawsuit based on that
1: and it's really too bad because you know microsoft hasn't made many missteps this year but this was definitely one of them um you know they've uh started to do some really interesting things uh i won't necessarily commit to good things just yet but um you know this this was a black eye for them
2: so didn't what did did my dog talk about the good old days
0: well he talked he did talk about the good old days, but he also talked about the basis of what computing meant and mm-hmm. how stuff should be open and free. Yeah,
2: he's uh, I, I'm friends with him on Facebook. He writes the most fascinating like posts. Like he just like he'll, res- he'll reminisce about you know doing this and that with this guy and this that guy. And I so many times I've commented like Mad Dog, you just need to copy all this stuff and make a book, man. Like you've you've led the most interesting life.
1: Well, let's not forget, too, he's an electric speaker. Anybody who's had the uh, luck or the good fortune to see and hear him, um, any chance you get is really it's really worth it. Here's an
2: example of how awesome Mad Dog is. And one, of the, one of the stories that just came to mind, he was talking about these two students that he had met at a uh, I believe it was like in Montreal or some, somewhere up in Canada, and he was going to be at a conference, and something happened to where he couldn't meet them one day, and he felt bad, so – he was going to be back in the neighborhood, so he invited them over, like, to, to meet him and hang out and talk for a while. Well, they, when they were talking before, they were talking about Linus and, uh, oh, he's, he must be such a cool guy or whatever, and Mad Dog's like, yeah, Linus is awesome. And so he didn't tell these two kids, but the the event or, that he was at, Linus was going to be there. So he arranged... Uh, Linus to come and talk to those two kids, and he surprised them. Like, so when he came in the room, the two kids were like, "Oh my!" You know, like they couldn't believe they were like in the same room with Linus Torvalds. But that's the that's the guy Mad Dog is. Like, he'll he'll go above and beyond, and and you know, and do whatever he can to uh, kind of make your day.
0: Yeah, I'll just say this is twenty twenty number one. Why can't Mad Dog run for office? I <laughs> <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> I mean, qu- sweet. Delicious baby Jeebus. I'll do whatever it takes to support a fellow like him running for office. But two, why is it so hard for his common sense methodology to grab hold to normal people? Because I have no idea. I've listened to easily sixty to eighty hours plus of his content, and everything he says sticks with me because it just makes sense.
1: Exactly. Well, I think. The coronavirus has certainly exposed what this nation really is. It's uh, it's not what I thought it was. Not, a, not in the very least. And, I mean, the fact that more people don't understand what he's about, I get it. I, I get it because half of these people will inject hydroxychloroquine straight into their veins if they needed to. Wait, I wasn't supposed to do that?
0: Well, and being a capital L libertarian, I'm completely okay with natural selection. If people do stupid things, I hate to say it, I'm very okay with them being deceased.
1: Well, the best part about it is that the solution was so simple. It was so simple. You want to avoid the coronavirus, then become a liberal. Come to Massachusetts where we don't have to
0: <laughs> <laughs> become a liberal. old school liberal, liberal from like twenty to thirty years ago, not a modern day liberal.
1: Oh, you know, again, it's just um we believe in science, so come join us. <laughs> join us.
0: Well, and I tried to explain to my wife. I'm sorry for the tangent. I tried to explain to my wife. Once any politician stood up behind a microphone, And tried to say anything about it, it then became a polarized issue, which means you're going to have roughly 40 to 50% of the people believe that person, and 40 to 50% of the people believe that person is lying through their teeth. Whenever a politician mentions something, never expect resolution. Basically, if you want resolution, then you need to just have science. And personalities, whether it be Oprah, whether it be a radio personality or anybody, if they say something is a fact, no one will ever question it. Because the people who listen to radio personalities, the people that listen to television personalities, the people that listen to YouTube personalities never escape that filter bubble. So if they state something as fact, everyone listening will just believe it's fact. And that's the end of it. But once you have someone who is in a political atmosphere state something as fact, it then becomes an absolute issue that will never come to a resolution. So I
1: was getting kind of excited because our choices this year, we actually get to uh, choose a new senator should we want to. So you've got a, uh, you've got Markey versus Kennedy here in Massachusetts. I was getting a little excited until I realized it was Ed Markey and not Biz Markey because... (laughs) I would have voted for Bismarcky. Absolutely. You,
0: you got what I need. (laughs) And the Vapors. Um, we had uh Kathleen Kennedy Towson, which is a lie, because she's a Kennedy, tried to run for governor in the state of Maryland. I was so, so sickeningly happy that she was not successful. Um, because I'm pretty sure she would have been bad for my employer, which is the government, but I'm pretty sure she would have also been bad for the people, the citizens of the state of Maryland.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, let's go to the show notes and let's, let's move on. <laughs> what, what about the latest release of
2: aqueducts or what the heck was that distro? It was in the show notes, and I don't remember the name of it. It was like a, I
0: knew, but I didn't expect that. So I'm going to first complete, <laughs> do a complete diversion, and I'm going to say we got an email from Mark Rice, who is a very long time supporter of Podnuts. To which I mean, he's emailed me for a great many years. You don't need to be a monetary supporter of Podnuts; you just need to be a Podnutian and send us email at podcast at for the rest dot com. And he sends us an email. Hi, Dora. It was great to hear Jonathan again. And of course I look forward to your shows. I'm glad that you are confident enough as I cannot manage more than two to three minutes recording for HPR. And when he says HPR, that's hacker. Public radio. And if you're extremely excited about individuals' perspectives on everything, you absolutely need to check out HPR, Hacker Public Radio. I can't say that any clearer. I support everybody behind Hacker Public Radio. That'll work. Dot org, but there is a couple people involved with that organization that given the chance I'd happily punch right in their genitalia because I'm an independent thinker. Okay. Carrying on with the email. It was a shame to hear that the Lennox community is still not accommodating otherly abled individuals. Is that right? The, the right word, which I can't say if that's the right word, but it's very politically correct. Otherly abled individuals. I am a Linux curmudgeon and wish that they were better at this aspect of computing. Good on Jonathan for finding what works for him. Take care, Mark. Yes. Mark rice hit the nail on the head and, and I'm going to basically in air quotes, a guy I am pretty fond of. And his name is Nightwise. Do what's right by you do. What is okay by you don't feel like you have to work on Under anybody else's pretenses, do what makes you comfortable. Your workflow is what's right.
2: Definitely, preferably with open source if you can, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way.
0: Well, if you can use open source, I believe you in the long term would be much better for it.
2: Yeah. So, what about this Duck OS? What not Duck OS? But as I can, it was a weird word.
0: Look to quote. Mike Myers on Saturday Night Live. I'm working on it. It's called. (laughs) It's called Auto Tux is the one I believe. Auto Tux, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And what Auto Tux attempts to be is a automation routine to where anybody can simply put in a certain set of parameters is the right word to where you can automate the installation of any Linux derivative into a device with minimal work is the way that I'll put it.
2: Um, I guess the one caveat I saw, it was kind of, I don't know. I don't think there's necessarily like a, if there is a partitioning, I guess, but you, you are not involved in it at all. It basically said when when you run it, it's just going to install like on the first hard drive C's or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yes. That was one of the caveats that I found peculiar. Anything that's called SDA is going to get the installation onto it. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that they at least allow you some customizations after that, whether it be the desktop, whether it be packages, whether it be interfaces, whether it be login managers or other things. They at least let you pick them. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The goal behind this is to allow people to compile a thing that within 20 minutes, after you boot to it, you will have a fully running operating system. Again, all A-U-T-O-T-U-X is the name of it.
1: You know what? I... Definitely interesting approach. You know, I propose that we have a party one day and we invite all our Linux friends and they have to bring five installation CDs with them. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sure, and, we, and you have to throw them all in a bag, everybody gets to pick one, and you have to install that on your production machine.
2: Um, I think I was going, I found like an old CD, uh, like Jack, you know, full, uh, full of CDs, and in, in the back, I had like, I don't know, six or eight distros. It was like Seuss, like 10 something, like OpenSeuss, 10 something, uh. Man, well, it was like Fedora ten maybe or twelve. There were some old ones. I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if these things will even boot up.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm wondering if Slackware is still selling the uh, the floppy disks for their OS. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know they? I I'm sorry, they haven't had an update since 2016.
2: Yeah, that's what uh, the old man, the links for Pacato and Claudio, are both saying. Like, man, it's been a long long time since Slackware was updated.
0: Well again to quote Mike Mike Myers on Saturday Night Live, I'm working on it.
2: Yeah, usually Patrick Vulcan is like pretty, you know, diligent and I mean I'm f i mean the guy's been doing it now for what? Like thirty years or something like that. I mean it's probably retired, but yeah, he's probably tired by now, you know, getting a little tired, but
0: Well, I'll just say it like this out loud. The only distribution I would put in my list is Slidads. S-L-I-T-Z-A-Z. It is the distribution that when I install, I have learned the most from because it is such a pain to do anything with. But when I install it and I try to use it as my daily driver, I learn so much about Linux. Slidaz, the unbelievable educational distribution that people need to install if you want to call yourselves a graybeard.
2: What about uh, Linux from scratch?
0: Well, that's just sadist.
1: <laughs> well, there's also there's two additions to that now, because there's also beyond Linux from scratch.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, which is basically you reading a whole lot of text and then going to the command prompt and doing a lot of commands in order to build your distribution from another distribution's live operating system um i understand the idea behind it but i sometimes listen to 48 hours of podcast a day which means i don't have time to sit down and read anything even a menu to like a restaurant
1: well it's just like that old uh simpsons character you you voted me in to lead not to read <laughs> exactly so am I the only one on Earth not using a solid-state drive? Uh, yeah.
0: know
2: <laughs> I, I got a PCI Express hard drive. Never mine SSD.
0: Right. You've been leapfrogged because now NVMe drives have succumbed to the price market, like, ridiculously to where now you can get an NVMe drive with the same, like, Capacity as an SSD drive, probably for less.
2: Yeah, I got a, a fire cuda It's a Barracuda. Um, one of yeah, those. A 500 gigs for 100 bucks.
0: And NVMe drives are anywhere from two to quite literally 15 times faster. Oh yeah. Than your normal SSD, and your normal SSD is anywhere from two to 30 times faster than your spinning disk.
2: Yeah, like, literally, Bruce, if you just put an SSD in your computer, you're going to think you got a
1: whole new computer again. (laughs) Literally. I might have to do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, SSDs are, like, crazy. I mean, you could probably get a 256 gig or 500 gig between 60 and 80 bucks, probably.
0: Well, Bruce, if you need any assistance in affording an SSD, let me know. And you, as the listener... If you have any issues, any problems in supplying yourself with anything, whether it be peace, whether it be love, whether it be NMV drives, podcast at Linux for the rest of And Jonathan, I promised about 20 days ago that I was going to send him a laptop, but then I saw liquor, which took up a little bit of money. So I haven't shipped him the the laptop quite yet. Liquor? Hard to well, you know, I'll say this, a quick tangent. My shoulder is feeling immensely better uh, from like February to whatever, July. The pain I felt was almost as bad as a kidney stone. Uh, I've been exercising a lot. I got cortisone shots. Um, I've been pleasing the wife. frequently. Hey, 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 easy, easy. And I've been pleasing the listeners frequently. That's how much I better I feel. But at the same token, I've been partaking in consumption of what some people consider poison a little bit too much. So, in the next 5 to 10 days, I'm going to have another deposit of money to where I'm going to do my best to ship you that device. Because I did boot it up, and I will tell you right now, Jonathan, it is an unbelievably snappy device <clears throat> that was... That was given to me by an unbelievably nice fella from Hawaii. I love Tiki. And I will say, I feel like out of the 180 RSS feeds I listen to, I have the nicest people subscribe to my podcast versus anybody I listen to. So I want to thank everybody for their support. I want to thank everybody for their feedback. I want to thank everybody for just being human and communicating with me.
2: There you go. There's another interesting uh, thing on the show notes, I was like, that's kind of cool, it was that screen share software, where you can like, uh, I'm not going to describe it right without someone else looking at it, but it it seemed like it acted as sort of a a layer between people's computers where you could doodle and like, uh, I'm not describing it good enough, but it actually seemed kind of cool, like, if I could see I would use it, (laughs) but it actually seemed kind of useful, especially for the times that we're in right now where most people are, like, working at home or whatever.
1: Well, one of the things I can also speak to that's also changed is that, uh, so, the different applications that we're using, Zoom is right now the gold standard, I'm going to say. Um, but Zoom allows screen sharing. Teams allows screen sharing. Slack allows screen sharing. I mean, just about everything is out there now. So, it's... Uh, you, know, well, you know.
2: it's more than it's I'm not, I'm not describing it well, but it was like way more like interactive where groups of people could like be doing various things all on one screen, like without without like having to give someone control. They take over, they kind of show their desktop, whatever. This seemed to be like you got five people in this quote unquote room. These five people can manipulate the screen and do things all at the same time.
0: Yeah, it was uh, screen.so. If you open up any any browser, even on mobile, s-c-r-e-e-n.so, it is the true, listen, me and Jonathan, a decade ago, talked about WebRTC and its possibilities. This is a perfect example of just how unbelievably flexible the browser can be and how you can do anything you want in your browser. You don't need Slack. You don't need teams. You don't need zoom. You don't need any other external software. Everything literally runs in the browser and it's cooperative by nature, which which means anything you launch and anything you share is equally accessible by anybody whether it be the originator or by the participant. So if you need to have true team-based solutions to where you don't want to spend your time managing what's going on, what's happening, who has access to, who's presenting, then you need screen.so. It was shockingly smooth.
1: Well, even more interesting is that on that website, at the very top, I didn't realize, but uh, he says he co-founded Screen Hero, which was acquired by Slack. <laughs> uh, there you go. So, so um, and of course, it also has, has Slack integration on this. So, uh, you know, again, I, I really like these things have really, really come a long way.
0: Yeah, the maturity of web-based applications, WPA. Uh, is shocking. And this was the thing that I hate to say it like this, Steve jobs. I'm not going to say rest his soul. I want to say, screw him. When he, when he first created the iPhone. He believed progressive web apps were the future. <laughs> and I, I hate to say it. He was ahead of his times because right now in 2020, the progressive web apps like S C R E E N. So are truly unveiling. To the ignorant, just how powerful things can be just in the browser without having to download something from the app store or from Google play or from any other place and run locally. The browser truly is the operating system moving forward.
2: Yeah, he actually got pushed back because people like didn't want to build web apps and that's how the kind of the apps, the app store originated.
0: Yeah, I believe the web stores thrived on individuals owning control, but just, but just like open source software is inevitable to being successful. Dare I say like Janice Joplin power to the people, um, open standards, open initiatives, open solutions like screen.so are the path forward to being the dominant future. Um, I cannot wait to the simple fact that I can open up just any browser in air quotes on any device, whether it be my desktop computer, whether it be my laptop computer, whether it be my Pine phone, whether it be my Pine tab, whether it be a watch, whether it be a Raspberry Pi screen hanging on my wall, and I'm able to access everything ubiquitously like it was a desktop application. I can't wait for that time.
2: No, it's weird. I just thought of this kind of circling back around to that Mozilla and Ubuntu thing. I thought they had that Firefox OS. Couldn't they just kind of use that? I mean, why do they need to partner with Ubuntu?
0: I can't give you a direct answer. I'll just tell you right now, Jonathan. Um, right next to me, every time I do a podcast, I have sitting right next to me a, a ZTE-based uh, Firefox phone OS. mm mm-hmm. There's no reason why it shouldn't have been successful, except providers didn't support it, developers didn't support it, industries didn't support it. Instead, they wanted to support where they thought the money was at, which was, you know, the original Droid, the original iPhones, and systems like that.
2: Mm, That's That's funny. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's too bad.
0: It is, but there's other solutions on the horizon. Okay, on the um, show, Android App Addicts, a year plus ago, I talked about a operating system called KaiOS, which many people have mispronounced. Many people with agendas have mispronounced. It's called KaiOS. Um, It's a full Linux-based operating system on mobile platforms where you can easily get root. I firmly believe because of countries like India, countries like Brazil. It has a definite possibility to become very popular, but again, it's going to take years for it to actually influence countries like China, countries like Japan, countries like the United States, countries like Germany, countries like the UK, but I do believe it's inevitable just like how now today in 2020, I can be in a meeting at work with executives that have no idea about the history of open source software yet when they're given the opportunity to go with something open source, they read some article on some website saying it's the right choice. And they tell me that they want to go with that open source alternative. I do believe it's inevitable. Microsoft will need to pivot Oracle. will need to pivot all these close source companies. will, will need to pivot to basically be on the same line as open source. I'll just ask you guys if there's any other topics you wanted to cover, thought you wanted to cover, or just wanted to basically investigate.
2: There's was on mine my, I think we went through all the, all the other uh, thing. I remember when you sent me like, Hey, did you ever hear this? It was like the MC, the, the connecting to the network wirelessly through the, the client, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, the networking, uh, Command line interface or whatever. For a while, I used to use that because <clears throat> I couldn't even access the panel. Well, this is pro I think this is when I was messing around with getting LXDE. This was before LXQT. <laughs> but I was getting L- trying to get LXDE accessible and like XFCE and stuff, and I couldn't access the panels at that time. So I would access the the wireless connection through the the command line and connect to the. You know the wires that way. The only thing, the only trick of that was, is I think you had to know the name of the SSID. Like you couldn't, like search it. I I don't remember anyways if you could, but I I knew the SSIDs everywhere. I had to sign in anyway, so I would be able to just you know type in the stuff and connect right through the command line because I couldn't I couldn't get up to those top panels and click on the the little uh, applet or whatever.
0: Yeah, this was called. Um... It was the article over on opensource.com and I'll thank Seth for supporting opensource.com. Uh, it was basically called N M C L I network manager command line interface. That's right. I, didn't, I didn't know this existed. And yes, I do believe you need to know the, uh, how to do a independent scan to know the SSIDs before you go forward with this. But I had no idea. This functionality existed in the command line interface uh, before I saw this article. And this article was posted by Dave McKay on July 21st, 2020. Unlike every other podcast that exists in the universe, I'll say thank you, Dave McKay on opensource.com for posting such an article on July 21st. And no, no. Dave, I don't expect you to ever listen to such a thing. I don't expect you to have a Google alert, let you know that we linked to your article, but thank you anyway for posting this because this now allows me to not have a full composited desktop interface, but yet to be able to control my network infrastructure, my network interfaces.
2: I mean, that was one of the things that I loved about, you know, Linux is even if I couldn't access whatever program graphically, I can just bounce into a command line and get done whatever I need to get done.
0: Right. And that basically goes back to accessibility. Um, What I would like to be able to do between me and and you Jonathan, I would love to be able to silently pressure every IDE to put accessibility into the core system to where whenever anyone creates an object in their IDE, accessibility comes naturally to it. That's not the case in 2020. I would like to believe that people creating, whether it be VS Codium, whether it be any Java-based IDE, whether it be Blue Griffin or anything else doing HTML, I would love it if they would try to make it a priority to accessibility. I'm not going to hold my breath because I don't want to die. I would yeah, exactly. hope... <laughs> right, but I would hope that they would actually understand that doing such a thing will increase their popularity fold.
2: That would be interesting if that was included. That um, at least gets people to think a little bit more, maybe. And if
0: that, <laughs> well, I'm going to make some people mad. And what I'm going to say is, this is a Milton Friedman quote. Okay, you do not need to elect the right people to office. Okay. AKA you don't need to make the right IDEs popular okay going back to Milton Friedman you need to make it politically profitable for the people in office to make the wrong decisions which means you need to make the IDEs do something they were not prepared to do okay <laughs> I know it's deep I'm sorry but um we need to not only back Whether it is Visual Studio Code, whether it be any Java-based solution, whether it be Genie, whether it be Blue Griffin or anything, we need to take the time to sit down and write information back to them and to make it politically profitable to them to make what they consider to be the wrong decision, which is to sit down, take the time, and develop things appropriate for all human beings not just the privileged first worlders that they like, but everybody, whether it be blind people, whether it be mute people, whether it be people with a couple limbs short, whether it be people who can't read English, we need to make it politically profitable for them to make those choices.
2: Yeah, yeah that was a good sonar, seminar, but.
0: Well, and it ain't easy. Okay. Anything worth its weight, Requires work.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Nothing is easy. Nothing's supposed to be easy. And if you don't believe me, watch the movie UHF with Weird Al Yankovic. Because it took a lot of hard, like, notes to the grindstone work for them to be successful. (laughs) There was a lot of programming that had to go on. You laugh at me, but you know I'm right. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just Stanley's. Spadowski that saved the network while he was a cornerstone he wasn't the only thing
2: it was more than him and his mop I'll tell you that
0: I love when he saw his mop his first mop <laughs> yeah. and completely freaked out and he broke out of the ropes like a mad like a superhero I literally almost started crying Jonathan <laughs> okay so I'll say Bruce do you have anything you would like to say before you end the show
1: no, this was a, this was an incredibly entertaining show as always. In fact, uh, Jonathan, it's been a pleasure having you aboard as well. And Dor, of course you are the master of ceremonies.
0: I'm a mental invalid. So let's move on. Jonathan, is there any final parting words you would like to say to anybody listening, whether it be an old man of Linux or whether it be a fresh faced 10 year old who just accidentally stumbled across this event?
2: Uh, no, not, nothing comes to mind. I had an awesome time. Thanks for having me on and uh, everyone, you know, if you are looking for software solutions, see what I, see what's out there for open source for us, and then work backwards from there.
0: I cannot argue with that. I will say if you your only goal is to get things done, you should check out NightWise. And I'm okay with Nightwise never in his life mentioning PodNuts or Door-to-Door Geek or Linux for the rest of us because I don't say it expecting anything in return. He's a guy who expects to get things done. And if that's your only goal, check out Nightwise now. If you consider yourself a old man of Linux podcasting, whether your name is Peter 64, whether your name is Chess Griffin or anybody else, and you would like to communicate with other old men of Linux podcasting, you better send an email to door to door geek at email at gmail.com. If you want to communicate with the network, send an email to mail upon us.com. If you want to send an email to the show itself, Podcast at com. If you would like to send us a voicemail, just record something in simple audio, then 7076 a podnut is the easiest possible way to do such a thing. If you would like to just partake in communications, we are on Twitter, we are on Discord. If you believe that anything regarding the Rona is a conspiracy, please, dear God, never in your life communicate with me because I will do everything in my power to beat you down to the inch of your life. I will give you my address. I will happily pound you into the pavement because I've done that now twice this week to people who've been following PodNuts for 10 plus years. So you are nothing special. I am nothing special. Welcome to PodNuts.com. You're a PodNutsian. I'm a PodNutsian. We all are equal participants. Thanks everyone and never ever in your life forget If you do not have root, let me assure you, you do not know who does. Take it easy, everybody.